Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, Pastor Jim here, lead pastor of Atmosphere Church. And I want to pray with you before we get into the message. Obviously, from that video, you know our series is called Us Versus Them. And it's heavy duty, and I'm so glad that we are talking about this, especially regarding the season that we're going through as a culture. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for the lives that are being changed, for the people being healed and the families being restored. Anoint me as your vessel. Speak through me, God, and I pray that you would show up in a powerful way in each and every person's life that is watching and tuning in today. And we thank you in advance for doing all of that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I would say that in the history of our nation, we probably have only seen a few times that are as divided as we are right now. I mean, if if you think about everything that's going on, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you don't agree with me, if you disagree with me, then you're my enemy. Every person that I've I've spoken with kind of feels this. I call it the spirit of antagonism. That if if you are not going to say exactly how I say it or see it the way I see it, you're the them. You're the problem. And this is what I want to speak into, and this is what the series is all about, is living, learning rather, living beyond the us versus them. That God has a third option for us. And as I was thinking about the series, I was reminded of one of my favorite movies called The Outsiders. Uh, If you are a child of the 80s like me, you remember this movie. This is a classic. And I would say this is probably the forgotten 80s movie. Uh, and I mean, what a what an uh, a list of actors that were in this movie. I mean, we've, we're talking uh, Patrick Swayze, Ralph Macchio, C. Thomas Howe. I mean, Tom Cruise was in it. Emilio Estevez, uh, Rob Lowe. Uh, so this movie was based in the 1960s in Oklahoma, and it was between the Greasers and the Socias, and it was a a problem back in the 60s with these two different groups that were living uh, together in this Oklahoma community. So this problem that we're dealing with now, this us versus them and this this divided culture, it's been going on really since the beginning of mankind. But I, I love this movie and how it depicts this whole us versus them scenario. And there is a term that sociologists use to describe how we segregate ourselves. It's called grouping. And and you're either part of an in-group or you're part of the out-group. And the way we sort people into groups that either are like me or not like me, creating us versus them. Let me give you an example. 
Where are all my fellas at? All, all the men that are watching right now. See, we as men, we are in a group. And we think alike. Like you could like be hanging out with a bro and having lunch and you know, you can almost know what he's thinking. Why? Because he's a dude and you're a dude. But even within our in-group of guys, I mean, there are so many in-groups within guys. You know, you've got, I wrote this down, you've got young men, you've got uh, middle-aged men, and you don't have old men, you have seasoned men, all right? You have uh, men who went to college, men who served in the military, married men, single men. We have short men, tall men, athletic men, uh, men who are exercise challenged. We have black men, brown men, white men. I mean, there are all kinds of men. It's raining men. Hallelujah. It's raining men. Amen. I don't know. That's just a, another little 80s uh, moment. But we have multiple in-groups. Even you ladies, you have multiple in-groups. Uh, couples, there's multiple in-groups for couples. But here's what the problem is. In the spirit of antagonism that we're going through as a nation, we want to define each other based on our differences instead of coming together and unifying on the similarities. Do you know that we are 99.5 genetically the same, no matter what kind of group you consider the in-group or the out-group? But see, what happens is the devil is real and he gets into our relationships and he amplifies the differences because he wants to cause division. Because we are weaker when we're divided than we are when we're united. And he knows that. And a house divided against itself will not stand. Jesus said it that himself. But if we're looking at this idea of division, God has a remedy. He has a way for us to live beyond the us versus them. And I believe he has given us three weapons to disarm the division that is trying to destroy us. And we talked the first one last week, and that was harmony. Today, we're going to talk about the second, which is hospitality. And then next week, we're talking about the third weapon, which is humility. This is God's three-point shot to completely disrupt and destroy the division that is trying to destroy us. And so let's talk about hospitality. And there's no better story in my mind to really uh, un pack this idea of hospitality than the story of the Good Samaritan found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, you can open there, and we're just going to read you the story of the Good Samaritan. This is a text, honestly, as a pastor, I think we should circle and, and do sermons on at least probably five times a year, because you're getting to the essence of the kingdom of God in this story, in this parable that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 10. So let me read it. We're going to pick up in verse 25. It says, and a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And the man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I don't know if he said it like that, but 
Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem. So Jesus is going into a story to Jericho. And he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him, bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three, Jesus says, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And this lawyer said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. So the lawyer wasn't the lawyers that we're used to. The lawyers in the Bible here were the experts in the law, uh, in the Torah. And so this was a hotly debated topic within rabbis and within the Jewish culture in first century Palestine. Who is my neighbor? They were trying to figure out this mystery and, and figure out how to articulate this. And what did God mean by this idea of who is my neighbor? Who, who am I responsible for? In this one story, Jesus completely disarms the us versus them on its head. What Jesus did was so controversial. He took the outgroup, the Samaritans, and he put him as the hero. Think about that for a second. The Samaritan was the race that the Jewish people despised. And as I told you last week, they would go as far as to call them dogs. Can you imagine how people, uh, if, if we took any kind of race and we started like using derogatory names like that, I mean, people would come unhinged. But this was how the Jewish people looked at the Samaritans. So Jesus takes the Samaritan who was part of the out group and he takes the guys that were in the in group, the Levite and the priest, and, and makes them the bad guys in the story. They're the ones that, that avoided taking care of this man that was beaten and they went on the other side of the road. So I can just imagine this Jewish lawyer who knows what Jesus is doing here. He can't even get himself to say the Samaritan was the hero. He just says the, the man who showed mercy, the person who showed mercy. I think this is so noteworthy for us as we're figuring out how to live in this place of beyond and stop living in this place of us versus them. That it starts by looking at this idea of helping people in need, regardless of whether they're in your in-group or if they're part of your out-group. And in this particular story that Jesus is giving, is he saying, hey, the out-group are the ones that are actually being the neighbor. So loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, Jesus is defining it. For all of this controversy that was going on, like who am I responsible for? Jesus is saying, you are responsible for the person that's in front of you that has a need. That person is your neighbor. 
I love this story because it goes right along with this idea I want to unpack for you this morning called hospitality. This is a word that we're used to seeing. We know there's, there's whole uh, degrees that you can get in college on this word, but the word comes from a Greek word, and it's pronounced phileo xenia, phileo xenia. It's, it's a great word, and it's found a couple times in the New Testament. In one particular passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. What I love about Romans 12 is Romans 1 through 11 spent a lot of time going into detail about our belief system as believers in Jesus. Like it really gets into doctrine and all that. But in chapter 12, it, sh- it shifts and it goes from talking about belief to talking about behavior. So now that we have this entrenched belief system moving on the inside of us, it's going to result in what comes from our life. Our behavior is going to be completely shifted because of our belief system. That's how it works, church. And so in Romans chapter 12, Paul, who writes Romans, he's saying, hey, part of your behavior shift, part of what you do because Christ is now living on the inside of you is that you are to share with the Lord's people in need and practice hospitality, phileo xenia. Phileo, we know that word, uh, a lot of us do, that, that is love or, or brotherly love. We get the word Philadelphia from that word, but xenia comes from this Greek word xenos, and xenos means stranger or other or foreigner. Now, this is big because if you think about what Paul is telling us is there is a commandment, there's a directive for us to love the stranger, love the foreigner, love the other, love the person that is in the outgroup. That is what hospitality is all about. Now, this isn't a new directive in the Bible. This has been uh, in the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, uh, we see the heart of God towards strangers from how he's directing the children of Israel. So they are now a free nation. God is moving for them. He's given them the law. And check out what God directs them to do. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, it says, circumcise then the foreskin of your heart. Well, that's a metaphor for you. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart and do not be stubborn any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Love that. Now go to Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, thinking about this, when God gets involved and the people obey him, the strangers actually become part of us. They're There's no more them because everybody is us. And what you see is two reasons are given. Number one, this is the heart of God. You see this over and over in the Old Testament, that God's heart is 
to love on the strangers, love on the foreigners, love on the other, love on the outgroupers, the outsiders. And here's the second one is uh, the second reason is he's saying, remember that you were the stranger at one time. Remember that you were the foreigner. Remember that you were the other. You were at one point the one, a part of the outsiders. And as you look at the New Testament, there's several examples uh, that we can give you where this whole kind of model is followed uh, in the directive of loving the stranger, showing hospitality uh, and taking care of somebody as if you're taking care of yourself. And Jesus really kind of upped the game by what he did for us on the cross. And we read a portion of that passage in Ephesians chapter two last week, but I wanna go back to it again for this week because in chapter two, we see plainly the power of what Jesus Christ did, not only to rescue us from our sin, but to really show us and put on display to demonstrate what God has been wanting all along for all of us. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through six, it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So we were dead. We were far from God. I mean, you don't get more us versus them than somebody who's dead. I mean, that is as far away and as far as, uh, you know, part of the outgroup that you could go. And, and then as we read that portion of scripture last week, let's fast forward to verse 19. It says, so now, because of what Christ did, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people, you are members of God's family. So you were as far outside that you could be, but because of what Christ did for you, he brought you on the inside. He made you a part of the in-group and he made you so much a part of the in-group that everything that belongs to him now belongs to you and belongs to me. Wow. So much so that we are a part of God's family. This is ultra strength filiosenia. I mean, this, this is ridiculous hospitality. And this is the hospitality that we are to keep in mind so that one, we will know what the heart of God is, which is for the stranger, for the foreigner, for the outsider, and to remember that at one point we were estranged from God ourselves. And as we think about the hospitality that God showed towards us, it's gonna be so much easier, church, to begin showing hospitality to the people that God brings into our space. This is why we're called to be hospitable because this is what God is like and we know what it feels like to be strangers. This is central to what it means to follow Jesus. Think about Jesus's own life. Think about what he did. He was the one to bring in tax collectors. He was the one to bring in prostitutes. He was the one that went to the parties where all the party people were at. Where are all my party people? Like Jesus was in the, the middle of that crowd. 
This was unheard of. This was the outgroup of Jesus' time. A rabbi would not be caught with these people, but Jesus broke the rules and he went to the outgroup so that they could become part of the in-group. This is so powerful for us to wrap our minds around to think about how God wants us living in this place of beyond where it's not us versus them. It's not us versus them because God's saying there is no them because them is now a part of us, so there's only us. So the early church took what Jesus modeled for them and they began living this way. They began taking care of the stranger. They began taking care of the foreigner. The early church most Bible scholars believe grew exponentially because of this principle right here. Even when the plagues would break out in the first and second centuries, uh, doctors and and you know even part of the the, the priestly uh, the temple worship they they would leave the cities and the Christians would actually run towards the plagues. They would take care of the people, even if it meant that they would lose their own life. And many Christians, many followers of Jesus lost their life taking care of the people that were sick. This is what we do as followers of Christ. We show hospitality. We put on display the filiozenia that God has displayed for us and given us. So what I wanna do this morning is just give you the three ways that we can learn this filiozenia, this hospitality from the Good Samaritan story, this parable that Jesus gives. And so if you're taking notes, just write these three things down. Number one, relabel the other as your neighbor. We all have others in our life. We all have people that God has put us in connection with that are not a part of our in-group. I I don't know who that person is, but they're around your life. And the moment that we start relabeling them to be our neighbor, the more likely we will start treating them better and actually start maybe addressing them and getting more into their life. So the media, you have to understand, the media thrives on division. The media makes money on you and I buying into this us versus them. This is why uh, some of you, I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is using this message to say, hey, you're watching a way too much media. You're watching way too much news and what's going on. So if, if you think about what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you to relabel those people that look at life differently than you, the people that even not just look at life, but that look different than you. They are your neighbor. Anybody that you're passing by that has a need, that is somebody that God loves and cares about and has unsurpassable worth. I don't know as far as uh, what's going on in your life or who's around your life, but we can label people in our head based upon stereotypes that we've been told about those kind of people. And we all have had moments in our life where we've been told, you know, that's, that's how they are. But we really don't know because here's the thing, we don't really understand a lot about those that are in the out group. That's, that's what makes them the out group. That's what makes them a stranger. They're strange to us because we don't understand them because we're not like them. And the moment we buy into that label is the moment that we kind of find the loophole 
because we don't deem them as a neighbor and so we don't have to love them the way that Christ has commanded us to love them. So we will relabel somebody as not our neighbor so that we can mistreat them or allow them to be mistreated. But we have to come back and say, wait a minute, everybody is my neighbor because everybody has a need in their life. The first need is Jesus, but there's all kinds of secondary needs that happen in people's lives. And the moment they have a need, and the moment that God puts you in direct connection with this person is the moment they become your neighbor. So what we can do to really help ourselves relabel people, when we see somebody that crosses our path for whatever reason, maybe there's not a direct need that we know about, what we do, and and I've learned this principle years ago, is when I see somebody... I just start praying for them. I, t- I start talking to God about that person. And this is what I often say. When I see somebody, uh, I'll look at them and I'll say, God, I agree with you that you love them, that you died for them, and they have unsurpassable worth. I don't care who they are. If they're a human, I know what God has already declared over their life because Christ died for all people. And we've all been created in the image of God and Christ died for all people. So I know these three things, that God loves them, he died for them, and they have unsurpassable worth. So my encouragement to you this week, start relabeling the people around your life as your neighbor and start declaring over them, agree with them and and pray blessing over them as you see them. Say, God, I agree with you that you love them, that you died for them, and they have unsurpassable worth. Here's the second thing, write this down, is that, We need to reorient our hearts to see the other. We have to reorient our heart. See, here's what we kind of, uh, um, we face as Americans. (laughs) We're really self-absorbed. And not just self-absorbed, we're kind of in-group absorbed. We, We see ourselves, we see our families, we see maybe even our church and I don't know if you've heard that expression, us four, no more. Uh, this is kind of the default mindset that most Americans have. And we just maybe haven't went on record to admit it. But you unchecked will find your way into this default setting where you are comfortable with those people, with yourself and with those people to where you can actually not even see them. I am so guilty of this. I can get so wrapped up in myself. I can get so wrapped up in my family and my church that I I can literally ignore my literal neighbor. And it's embarrassing. But we all kind of have a tendency to do this. So what we have to do is we have to reorient our heart for the other, knowing that God has put us on mission on this planet since we know him to be his messengers, to be his missionaries, to be his love givers to a world that desperately needs the love of God. So here's how we do this. We ask God to help us not be so self-absorbed. This is really another problem of sin. When we get our life so bogged down in sin, we're so inwardly focused, we don't see anything on the outside. And so one of the reasons that God wants to set you free from your sins so that you don't live in in these patterns of addiction and habits uh, is because that condemnation that the devil brings in the midst of your sin can actually blind you and keep people off your radar screen that desperately need a touch from God. 
So the devil wants to get you tripped up with sin, so you will walk into condemnation and you will stop seeing the people, the others in your life that God had you on mission to speak into their life. And here's the second part, is greet them. So once they pop up on your radar screen, greet them. Listen to this scripture that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? We're so good at greeting people that we're already familiar with. But what this is telling us to do, Jesus is saying, go out and greet somebody you don't know. Go say hi. Go Welcome them. Let them know uh, that they matter to God and they matter to you. Just recognize. See, when you say hello to somebody, what you're really telling them is I see you. One of the most powerful things you can do to another human being is just simply to acknowledge them. Do you know how many people have convinced themselves that they don't matter to anybody? There's somebody right now on this planet, right now in our nation, maybe right now in our state, even in our city, that has convinced themselves that they don't matter to the human race. That if they were to completely die and and disappear, nobody would care. And when you simply acknowledge by greeting somebody, you're telling them, you matter to God and you matter to me. Just by saying hi. And who knows? At, once you greet somebody, man, then you get to pray and it's, it's fun. You get to let God have fun with you. Who knows what's going to happen next? Maybe as your spirit led, maybe God will tell you, hey, uh, have a conversation with him. Hey, pray with them. Hey, uh, take them out for coffee. Uh, who knows? But I've practiced this for years and years and I have a hundred God stories of amazing, miraculous moments that I've had in my life and other people have had in my life just because I was willing to say hi to somebody. Uh, My kids always tell me, Dad, you don't know a stranger. I believe, here it is, I believe it is God's will for none of us to know a stranger, that everybody matters to God and so therefore they matter to us. And so we're gonna greet them and we're gonna be Holy Spirit led and find out what you know, he would have you do. Uh, I've had uh, conversations with people, and sure, sometimes uh, it might get a little weird. They, they, people may misunderstand your friendliness. I've had that happen. Uh, I was working out in the gym one time, and another dude thought I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, trying to flirt with him. I don't know. It was, it was a weird moment. Another time I said hello to women, and she called me frisky. So you're gonna have you're gonna have moments like that. But you know what? It doesn't matter because it, it's just fun to live this way. I'm just telling you, it's boring just to say to yourself and and not greet anybody. Another time, I stopped uh, to help uh, some young guys get to Vegas uh, that were hitchhiking, and I just had a Holy Spirit moment. Say, pick them up. I had to call my wife, and I'm like, hey. Uh, in case they don't make it to Vegas, uh, know that I'm about ready to pick up these two young guys that are hitchhiking to Vegas. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to pick them up. Man, it was such a cool conference. Two hours I had them uh, in the car, undivided attention. And I just told my testimony. I told them about how God changed my life. These guys were from Canada, eh? And it was, it was such a, a great time. And I got to minister and, and plant some major seeds for the kingdom of God. I filled up so many people's gas tanks. I've ordered people lunch and, and ate lunch with them. 
uh, I've prayed with more people than I, I can remember. And all because I was willing to say hi. I was willing to greet them. Reorient your heart to see the other and miracles will happen. And um, this is hospitality 101. And this should start at the church level first. I mean, think about it. If you, if you can't do this to people that you attend church with, how do you expect to do it with people that don't go to church? Like we have the opportunity every time that we gather, and I know you're watching online, so you're not gathering with us in person, but there will come a time where you will gather in person with a church, and there's going to come a time in that church service where you're going to look at somebody, maybe the, the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you to have a conversation. They're going to look different. Maybe they're going to act different. But regardless, if, if they're giving you the out-group vibes, you, you have to learn how to reorient your heart and, and just go for it and see what God does next, all right? Here's the third one, and, and I've run out of time but it's remain on the same side of the road with the other. Remain on the same side of the road. Notice in the Good Samaritan story, the Levite and the priest, the, these, this was the, like the pastor and the worship leader. You know, you know, they're going to church and then they see this guy hurting and they recognize it and they cross the road. They go on the other side of the road and we can get into all kinds of reasons why they did this, but Jesus uses this story not to get into the details of why they crossed it, he, he wanted to prove a point here that we sometimes don't want to be interrupted or inconvenienced because of the hassle that it's going to create for our life. And this was Jesus' way to say, you can't live like that in God's kingdom. And here's the problem. As Americans, we love our schedules. We love our plans. We love our routines. And when you start stepping out and showing hospitality, I will tell you right now, it's messy. It will get you off of your schedule. It will sabotage your plans. Uh, it will get you out of your routine. But that's where the miracles happen. Miracles happen in Jesus's ministry as interruptions, not as destinations. You have to know that. The miracles that God is wanting to do through you are going to come in the form of an interruption of your schedule. So this is so important. You see the interruption, you see the interference, and you say, hey, I am going to do this. And this is how I like to say it. We're not called to construct walls to protect ourselves. We are called to build bridges to reach the other. We're not wall builders. We're bridge builders. And it's all so that we can have access to the other. That's all. And that's what hospitality is all about. And when the other is brought in, you have completely disarmed the principalities that are fueling the us versus them. You've destroyed it. All simply because you've taken the other in. You've built that bridge. Uh, the pushback that I get on this is, I'm so busy, I don't have time. But here's what I want to tell you right now you have more time than you want to acknowledge, my friend. You, you have more leisure time. I, I have this chart I want to just show you just real briefly. Do you know the average American has about five hours of leisure time a day? But yet so many of us are like, we're so busy, man, we don't have time. But here's the problem. A lot of us are, are looking at our leisure time 
and we're filing it under like have tos. We're, we're filing it under this, this category of I got to do this, obligations. And so we even look at our like TV shows, like I have to watch this, uh, you know, the new episodes out tonight. And really, if you think about it, that's just, that's not a have to. That's not a, that's not, I've got to. That's leisure time. So if you start kind of really breaking your schedule down, I think we're going to have a lot more time to do the ministry for the other that, that we really have been called to do. And the second part of this is remain on the same side of the street. You know, the word remain in the Greek means to abide. It means to stick with. It means, it means to be connected to. And there is something to be said for this idea of remaining with people that we have to make room in our life for the outgroup in our life. Because here's what I've learned. Close proximity cultivates personal empathy. What is empathy? Empathy is the psychological identification with or vicarious experiencing of the feelings, thoughts, or attitudes of another. That, that's what it is. The closer you are to somebody, the more you will actually feel who they really are. The closer you are in relationship with somebody, the more they become part of your in-group than your out-group. And when you go to the other side of the street, it's easy to continue to put these labels in their life. It's much harder when you're actually in relationship with them. A friend of mine who was a former pastor, he, uh, in, in the, ho- the height of like the 9-11 situation with the uh, Muslim extremists, he decided to start a radio show as a pastor with another uh, Muslim guy. And they just started doing this radio show. And it turned out that as he just was interviewing them, and it wasn't to debate on whose religion was right, just to talk and just to to find commonalities between them. And do you know in that relationship, God started moving, Jesus started revealing uh, things to this man. This man started telling my friend dreams that he was having about Jesus visiting him. And it was just crazy. Uh, My friend was getting revelations uh, for this guy and God was moving. But that would have never happened if my friend had not made the room to be around a Muslim guy that for the most part, Americans had all dismissed as fanatics and guys that were um, dangerous. But he didn't do that. As I think about our culture right now facing all of the the racism uh, issues that are going on and that are being brought to the forefront, again, as I said last week, these aren't new issues. They're issues that are coming to the surface because now everybody has a phone and everybody's recording things. And, and this isn't just a, a, a police issue. This is a systemic cultural issue that hasn't been uprooted yet from our culture. We're talking 400 plus years uh, of racism issues and not just with black people. We're talking racism issues with brown people and, and all kinds of other kinds of people. There's racism, racism issues uh, the other way around too. And as I began thinking about my own life, why, why is this such... A sensitive issue for me, and and I believe part of the reason is obviously I'm not black, I'm white. I don't know if you figured that out yet, but as I as I was thinking about this, I am so grateful that I went to a elementary school that uh, believed in affirmative action. I didn't know it at the time as an elementary kid uh, that kids would be bused from the other side of town into my school, 
And I, I think it was the best thing that could have ever happened in my life because that close proximity created a personal empathy that I, I really uh, didn't see race issues in my life uh, because those were my friends. I mean, my best friends were black. I mean, I, I, I did all kinds of uh, games and hung out in a recess and, and, and even after you know, school, we, we hung out together. They were my friends. And then fast forward, uh, since you know, I've been an adult, you know, many of my friends are black. And uh, part of, you know, in, in the space is, is hearing some of their experiences. Breaks my heart. I, I was at a staff retreat with my staff in, in Vegas. And my friend Bobby, uh, we were just in prayer about something. And as we were praying about it, uh, she started weeping, thinking about her boys being raised in our culture. And she was, she was scared for them, scared for them uh, about, uh, you know, being pulled over. Uh, by a police officer, and all I mean, this is probably ten years ago, and I'm sitting there. You know, I didn't understand at the time. I was like, "What?" But this is Bobby. This is Jesus. These are our best friends, and and so I started listening and I started learning. But their close proximity to my life completely changed, and I gained an empathy that I don't think I would have ever had if I had not let them close to my life like that. I'm telling you you will have a, a, a much greater understanding for the people who are different than you when you give yourself close proximity to who they are and stop walking on the other side of the road. Now, I end with this because this is so important for us to hear. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the end times. And he's saying at the end, the king will separate the sheep from the goats. I, I talked about this about a month ago or so. But he was talking uh, about behavior. And, and he said this, he said, then the king will say, those on his right, come, you who are blessed with my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. In verse 40, it says, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of these, you did it to me. So when we are helping a stranger, we need to see we're actually helping Jesus. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? So you're not only extending yourself to your out-group, you're actually extending yourself to Jesus. So if you have a heart for Jesus, you should have a heart for the stranger because Jesus is in the stranger that you're helping. So you release a whole new level of heaven moving from your life when you actually show hospitality. I, I will tell you, Hebrews 13 verse two says, do not neglect to show Phileozenia to strangers, hospitality to strangers, for by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. I'm telling you, when you move into the space, not only are you living beyond the us versus them, but you are entertaining heaven. The angels are, are involved sometimes. I believe sometimes people that I've, I've helped, strangers that I've brought in, we're angels, and, and I don't have time to unpack some of those stories, but I have about a dozen of them. It's crazy. But I believe that, that when you actually go outside of yourself and help that person and, and love that stranger, you might even be 
actually loving on an angel that God has put right in front of you. That's crazy to think about. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.